All right. Good to see everybody. Let's let's pray again. Father, thank you for this group that you've brought. Thank you for uh, giving us life and breath and a new day. And God, this past week, I'm sure, held many challenges. And um, this week that we're approaching, I'm sure, has many as well. And we don't know all of them, Lord, but you, um, you do. You're sovereign over all the earth, over everything that goes on in our lives, in our world, in our personal lives, Lord. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we know that uh, you're with us, and so we thank you for your presence here. We just welcome you, and we ask you to instruct us, Lord, as we uh, look at some principles from your word and help us get a clearer picture of uh, the assignment you've given to Christ followers, Lord. And so would you speak to us, God, through this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are, summer is wrapping up, so the sun is not down yet, but summer is beginning to wrap up, and we're heading towards the fall, which is an exciting time for us as a church. We do a lot uh, to reach out into our community during the summer, or during the fall, and during the spring, and so you've come at a good time to really be a part of some of those things. And so for that reason, we're, we're beginning this new series called Everyday Missionary, and I don't know... If you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up, but when someone would ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? For me, I wanted to be an architect. And so I got first introduced to architecture through a cousin of mine who had all these architectural tools that he was interested in. And he gave them all to me when I was like probably nine years old. And and he gave me all these things. And my parents bought me a drafting table and I got into studying architecture and thought that was what I was going to do in my life for, for many Kids, many times you ask them, what do you want to do with your life? They want to be teachers, they want to be doctors, they want to be policemen. Uh, A few of us, though, probably thought, when I grow up, I want to be a missionary. You know, I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, because some of you may have had that experience. And so, but the word missionary itself brings all sorts of thoughts and feelings. For some, it, it may be positive, for others, it may be negative. And so, it's not a term we often think of for ourselves. You might not even be able to really define the term. I'm sure some of you can. Uh, something unique to our church is that some of you are children of missionaries, and so your parents live overseas. You were raised overseas, and you've been a part of, uh, you know, on the front lines of, of the mission field even. And so that's a, a, a unique dynamic that, that we have. We have well over a dozen missionary uh, uh, adult children now that are part of our church here, and but what is a missionary? Here's the definition. If you just look it up in the American or the English dictionary, a person who is sent to a foreign country to do religious work, such as to convince people to join a religion or to help people who are sick, help people who are poor, etc. Or another very similar, a person who's undertaking a mission, especially a religious mission. So a missionary is someone who goes somewhere with a goal to reach a group of people. And However, when you dig into the Bible you find that all those who follow Christ are missionaries. It's not just those who are on the mission field far away, but all those who follow Christ are actually missionaries. We've been given a mission from God to love people, to serve people, and then to share. We have a crucial role of sharing with others how they can follow Christ for themselves. And this can really happen every day as we just go about our day, as we walk up to people, as we interact with people in our everyday life. This just begins happening. It's not just that we're walking, you know, up to them, but God is actually sending us 
into conversations, into relationships. He's, he's sending us onto streets that we live in, complexes that we live in. You know, he's placing us in specific places where he has asked us to be missionaries, in a sense, to the world around us. And we get this from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. A very familiar passage of scripture if you're, if you're a Christ follower. This is kind of your, your mission in life. This is your marching orders from Jesus Christ. Look at what he said to the disciples just before he ascended. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So he's saying, observe all the commands I've given you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, what's the, you know, we look at this, this passage of scripture, and there, there's, there's a active verb in this that, that we need to make sure gets the, the focus and really gets the attention. And the verb in this is make disciples. Make disciples is the active Greek verb that, that when you study the passage, this is where the action is. This is the thrust. This is the focus. We're to be making disciples. Then you have some words that are known as participles. Uh, participles, some of them are like this word baptizing, this word teaching, those are participles. Uh, a participle in language, in grammar, is, is the, is like a, in Greek, is the verbal adjective. Okay? It's the verbal adjective. But this very first word, go therefore, or the word go, it's actually a participle. It's a Greek participle. It's, it's not the thrust of the passage. The thrust of the passage is make disciples. But this word go is a very important word. It's, it has the sense that as you are going on your way, as you're going on your way, make disciples. You know, you're, you and I, we, we go about our day, you know, day after day. We need to be thinking about this. My role is to make disciples. Now, also, the disciple, what does he do? Once, once you make a disciple, then Jesus says, here's what you do with them. You baptize them, which is, you, 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 know, you have them publicly identify themselves as a Christian. So they publicly make a profession of faith. Their baptism really is them going public, okay? They become a Christian, and then they go public. Then you teach them, he says, to observe all the commands of Jesus. So he's saying, this is the role of the church. We're, we're doing this. As we're going about our, our way of life, or as we're going about our day, we're making disciples. We're baptizing those disciples, and then we're instructing them on observing or keeping. The word observe there just means, it means to keep or to guard the commands, okay? So we're to, you know, as we gather on a Sunday, we looked at this a few weeks back. What do we do when we gather? We, we, we teach the commands of Christ, and we teach people how to, how to, how to apply those to their lives. So th- this is really our mission. God, He is sending us, and you, you can pull this listening guide out. God sends us into our world as everyday missionaries. This is what we're to do. Make disciples as you're going. Now, it's true. Some people are called specifically to a foreign country, to move to a specific city, to move to a specific country, to reach a specific people group. But we've all been assigned this role in our world to make disciples. You know, God, He called me and my family to plant our roots here in Riverside. This is where He asked us to carry out that assignment of making disciples. Many of you, you've been called to plant your roots here with us. And you've, you've sensed, hey, I have an opportunity to partner here to reach people. This is my mission. Some of you, God is training and preparing to, to launch you out to different parts of the world for this mission. Now, the Apostle Paul 
he wrote a good portion of the New Testament. He was an everyday missionary. He was someone who took this role very seriously. And in one of his letters to the church in Corinth, that's modern day Greece, he basically describes this role. Okay, and I want you to, to see 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. It's in your listening guide. It says, Paul writes, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, this, this letter, the letter of uh, 1 Corinthians, is giving a lot of, of uh, clarification, some correction. Uh, the, this church in this, you know, the Greeks that were influence, influencing this part of the world, a very competitive spirit. I mean, you think about the Olympics and the, and the, the roots of that. You know, so this church was birthed in, in, a, in a spirit, in a place where there's just a real strong spirit of competition. And so there was a lot of competition rising up even in the church. And so Paul is talking about and kind of legitimizing his role. He's, he's describing what he's there to do, what his assignment is, what it's not. And so this is a part of a section where he's, he's really trying to help people understand what his role is as, um, as a missionary as someone who's spreading the gospel. Two key roles of an everyday missionary we get from this is the first thing is he, he lays out is that we're servants. Now, when we think of the word servant, we naturally think of a person who waits tables or who cleans up or who um, carries out duties. This is a different word than, than what we typically would, would think. In the Bible here, the Greek word here, the Greek word is huperetes, and it, it means under rower. It's a compound word. Two words shoved together and it, it just basically means under rower. The picture here is one of a subordinate who's just doing their part as they've been given orders. Okay, so they're carrying out their assignment. An under rower basically plays a key role, but by their very nature of the role, they're, they're not likely to be seen. They're, they're beneath the surface. They're beneath the deck. If you think about a ship that's going along and there's people below the main deck rowing this ship. And here's a picture of what this would look like, okay? So you've got this ancient ship and you've got people. These, this is actually like a, a, a model of a ship with clay people. So those are like little wax or clay people. And they're, they're the under rowers. They're beneath the deck in unison moving this ship forward, right? If you've watched the movie, uh, I was going to call it Big Sur, but it's Ben-Hur. <laughs> Big Sur is on my mind. I was there this summer. so it's. But Ben-Hur, with the old Ben-Hur, I haven't seen the new one, but the old Ben-Hur, they have a scene like this where there's a crew of under rowers below the deck and they're moving this ship forward. And you know you could have uh, over 100 people as under rowers and they got to work together. There needs to be this unity. There needs to be this cohesion in their efforts. They need, there needs to be leadership. But they're, they're all on the same mission. They're moving this, this mission forward. And notice this, this word, servant. This is, this is a picture of a team. When you have this understanding of it being an under rower, Paul's saying, as a, as a, you know, as I share Christ, part of my role is to be an under rower. I've been assigned this role. I'm carrying out the mission of God, but I'm doing this in unison with other people. We often think of evangelism as an individual thing. Like, I have this duty. I need to share my faith with others. This is my responsibility. But so often when we read the Bible, we find that it's, it's you know, often phrased in terms that are plural, uh, 
leaders are speaking to groups of people, talking about their role together. Evangelism is more often um, effective as we work together as a team, not just as an individual. So often I've shared my faith and then a, and a, and a teammate of mine, a friend of mine, comes alongside and helps reinforce the message. And, it's, and God uses that. And the seed begins to grow. It's really a team effort. Many of those who've come to Christ in our church, it was a team that helped you, um, you know, planted seeds in your life, got around you, began to love you, began to share with you. It was a team. It wasn't, more than likely, it wasn't just one person, but God was more than likely using His body, the body of Christ, to help you come to Christ. So you're under rowers, you're servants. The, the last part of this verse is also instructive. Paul says this, we're, we're stewards also. Okay, we're stewards. So we're, we're servants of Christ and stewards, he says, of the mysteries of God. There's these mysteries that we, or these secrets that we carry around. Um, now, a steward is someone who's been entrusted with something. Okay, you've been entrusted with something. You've been given a role and you've been given a responsibility to act on someone else's behalf. If you're a steward of money, they're trusting you with their money and you're supposed to do with their money what they would have done if they were there. So a steward of money carries out the wishes of the owner. A steward of a message is same thing. We carry out, you know, we carry out the assignment of, of the Lord Jesus as He's given this to us. So you and I, if we're Christ followers, we're stewards with a message. And in order for a steward to be successful, verse 2 says they need to be found faithful. Moreover, it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. Faithful to do something. Faithful to do what? Faithful to share. If we're effective as stewards, we're sharing our faith. This is a message we're not to bottle up, but we're to, we're to pass it on. And so this passage, it shows us, he says, this is how one should regard us as stewards of Christ, and, or as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Really, these mysteries are like secrets to the world. And so God has entrusted us with secrets that everybody needs to know about. There are, there are some truths that you know if you follow Christ that the world desperately needs. And so what I want to do is, is for some of you, these will be uh, reminders. And you'll be able to just kind of review, what is the message that I carry inside? For others, you might be hearing, this might be the first time you've heard these uh, statements. And these are what Paul would describe as some of the mysteries or some of the secrets of the kingdom of God and that people truly need to know. So, the first secret is this. We, we have a sin problem. We carry this message around. We share this with others. We, part of our role is to let people know we're not okay with God. And sadly, for, for most people, this may come as a surprise because none of us likes to hear that there's anything wrong with us. Nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be for their flaws to be pointed out. We, we know we're not perfect, but we don't think we're that bad. I mean, really? Most of us, we, we hope that God grades on a curve because compared to the worst people, we can't be that bad. But what we see in the Bible is that it's worse than we thought. Look at this passage in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9. The prophet, he says to the people, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He's pleading with people to respond to God. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, Look at verse 8 and 9. These two verses are 
verses that I, I've memorized and people have memorized. But in context, the verses, you know, the, the verses previously, verses 6 and 7, it changes how you understand these two verses. So, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways here and His thoughts here are contrasted to ours. It's like, God, you're way up here. In, in the way you think, in the way you do life, you're way up here, we're way down here, there's, we know there's this huge difference between us and God, but still we assume that the, these verses, you know, maybe are just in reference to how our perspective in life is limited or different than God's, but this goes much further than just the fact that our perspective is, is different than God's. Look at verse 7 again. Verse 7 says that it links our ways and our thoughts to wicked ways and unrighteous Thoughts. See, wicked and unrighteous, you know, thoughts and ways, that's really what is, is different about us and God. He, he is so, he is righteous and we're, we're unrighteous. His, his, his ways are perfect and our ways are wicked. I mean, wicked and unrighteousness, these are uncomfortable terms to measure our lives up against, aren't they? And when we say wicked, immediately our mind goes to wickedness. We go to, it goes to wicked people in the worst of ways. We think of Hitlers, we think of people in history, we think of Bin Laden, we think of death row inmates, and we know we're not perfect, but in comparison to those guys, we can't be that bad. This is what comes naturally. We like to measure our lives based on what we see other people doing, but God, He measures evil relative to Himself. And on His measuring stick, or on His ruler, we all fall way, way short. And so God, He's really not okay with us. That's, that's what we find. This is extremely clear in the Bible. In this passage we see it, but we see it throughout Scripture. God's not okay with us. There's a sin problem that separates us from really knowing and relating to Him. So that's... that. But that is a secret... To the world. A lot of people, they've not made that connection. That we have a sin problem. That's one of the truths you bear. You carry that around. You steward that truth. Here's another one. Another secret to the world that you carry is that our secrets aren't safe. In other words, we can't hide our sin. Not only do we have a sin problem, but we can't keep it below the surface. Eventually it all, it all is exposed. One day our life of sin will be exposed completely and we'll have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And you and I, we might be able to deceive other people. We might be able to keep other people in the dark about our sin, but there's no way we can do that with God. In college, I I had a summer job. And I would do my work in the middle of the night. Not because I was supposed to, but because I would sleep during the day. And so, because I was a college student and I would sleep as long as I could and uh, stay up as late as I could. So I did my best work in the middle of the night and it was a, it was kind of like a facilities job where I would drive around a golf cart and I just, I deliver tables and chairs to different places and set up for the, the next day of events on our campus. And as you would imagine in the middle of the night, you know, bad things happen. And so you start, you know, getting into mischief and trouble. And so me and my coworker, we were messing around on the golf cart, kind of joyriding on the golf cart and crashed right into a hedge of bushes large hedge of bushes, like a long hedge of bushes. We crashed right into it and had it was stuck in the in the bushes and we got a little scratched up. We pulled the golf cart out of the bushes and hoped nobody would notice. It was dark outside because it was the middle of the night. And we pulled it out, 
finished our, our night of work, parked the cart, went to work the next day, and my boss approached me, and he said, hey, did you guys crash the cart into a bush by the, by the library? And he said, the dean of students talked to one of the gardeners who, like, manicures perfectly this hedge. This was his prized hedge, by the way. I remember this guy. He would, he'd wear, and this was back in the days of Walkman, I think, so, you know, big, you know, foam headphones, the little, the little fuzzy headphones, and, and he would just listen to heavy metal music, long hair, and he was just trimming those bushes, and that was his baby. Anyway, we ruined it. Like, we put a hole in this thing, uprooted a section of it, and we thought we got away with it. Dean of Students went and inspected the carts on the campus, and our cart from our work had shrubs and bushes and stuff underneath it. And so they traced it back to ours, and, and he said, so was this, was this you guys? And we just, no, huh. Nope, wasn't us. And just flat out lied to him. And, and, and years later, I, he's a, still a friend of mine, years later I went to him just... It's like it came up at one point in my mind. The Lord said, you make this right. So I said, hey, Tom, remember when you asked us about the bush that we... He's like, oh, I know you guys did that. <laughs> I'm not even that good at deceiving people, you know. There, there is no fooling God. You know, we can hardly trick people in our lives. A lot of times we think we have and we didn't. We, we don't. But there's no fooling God. Even our wicked thoughts and intentions, God will bring to light on the day that He judges us and judges all men. Look at Romans 2.16. Paul writes, he's, he's talking about a day where God will judge. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. One day, God will expose the sin that has plagued our lives. The stuff that we think we've covered up and the, the stuff that's, that we've been about and that we think we've hidden, that sin, it's not really hidden. Our secrets are not safe. And we know that. For those of you who've responded to Christ, you know, you, you realize, wow, this, is, this stuff is it's staring me in the face. And so the secret found you out. You know, for many of you, you've, we, we've repented, we've turned our life to Jesus Christ. But that's one of the secrets, again, that the, that the world needs to know. Third one is this. Jesus is the only solution to our core problem. When it comes to addressing the problems in our life, most people don't really know how Jesus fits into all of that. They see him as a historical figure, someone who lived a long time ago, a good man, a good teacher, but don't realize that he is the only one who can offer the world real forgiveness. And here's how he did it. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul writes, For our sake, he made him, meaning God made Jesus, to be sin. He's the one who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He became sin. Jesus took upon Himself our sin and He absorbed it like a sponge cleansing us. It was like we had an incurable disease and then Jesus stepped in and became our substitute cleansing us of our sin bearing our punishment, the one that we deserved. He took that He stood in our place. And instead of trying to hide from God through Jesus, we can now approach God through His forgiveness that He offers. We can approach God the Father and we can have our relationship with Him restored. And and it's here and now and it's on into eternity. For all eternity, we can relate to a righteous and holy God because of what Christ Jesus did for us on the cross. We don't deserve that. But we can experience it. And our lives can be impacted here and now 
Look at the way it impacted Peter and John's life. Peter and John, they were men who had their lives radically changed. They're doing ministry one day and they're proclaiming the message of Jesus and these religious leaders around them, they made this statement. For our sake, or I'm sorry, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized they had been with Jesus. There were people around. There were people that paid attention to to Peter and John's message, but also, as they observed Peter and John, they saw, man, these are everyday, ordinary men. They, but they, they were different. They displayed a type of courage that people had seen Jesus display. And those that had been around Jesus, they recognized these men had also been with Jesus. They saw Christ living in them, and God, He entrusted secrets to the disciples. He's entrusted us with the same thing. We carry these secrets. Again, so that we would share our lives with others, that we would share this message that we've been entrusted with, that the world would know. And then fourth, another secret is humility. Humility unlocks these secrets. Sometimes we start trying to share Jesus with people, we start trying to share our faith with people, but the message doesn't register. It's like it just doesn't, cut, it doesn't click. Jesus, he put it this way to his disciples. It says, he answered them, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, I mean to those that haven't responded, to those that, that don't understand it, it's not been given to them. He says, for this people, their heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear. With their eyes they have, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. What he's saying is the fact that for some people... We can share, but their heart has grown dull and hard, and they're too proud to be taught. Some people, you know, we, in life we just go about our own way in life. We leave God out of it. And as we're going about our way in life, we're, we're saying, I'm in charge, I'm the boss, I'm the leader, my ways are right. And it's a humbling thing to actually say, maybe I've gotten it wrong all these years. Maybe my life has been built on the wrong Presuppositions. Maybe my life has been built on the wrong beliefs. Maybe I'm not really the leader. Maybe someone else is, is the boss. And so anyone who responds to these truths, these secrets, has humbled himself or herself and admitted, I really need God. I need to turn around from going my own way in life. I need to turn toward God. And I admit my need for Him. I admit my need for His help. Humility is always required for a person to follow Christ. It's what unlocks God's secrets to, to, to a person is when we bow or when we, we take a step down from believing that we know it all. And if a person will humbly admit their need and turn to God, He'll bring the help. He'll bring the healing. And if, if you've been sharing with someone and you're like, man, it's just not connecting. I'm sharing, I'm sharing, I'm sharing. It's just not connecting. I'd pray for humility. i just pray, God, would you begin to work humility into this person's life? Would you help them to see that they really need you? They think they've got it figured out. Would you help them to see their need for you? Would, would you help them to, to be convinced of the truth of this message? Now, Jesus, he told parables, many parables, short stories to illustrate something real. And he would do that to, to communicate the extreme value of some of, these, some of these truths, some of these secrets that he's entrusted to his followers. One, one parable he told was about a man who found a hidden treasure in a field. And it says that in the joy of discovering this hidden treasure, he went and sold everything that he owned and he went and bought that field because the, the treasure was, it was, it was priceless. Another parable Jesus told about was 
of a pearl merchant who found one pearl of great value. And he said, in, in like, you know, likewise to the other guy, he said, he went, he sold everything he had and he bought that pearl. Christ followers, basically, we're those who've uncovered the secrets of God. We place an extremely high value on the truth of the gospel and we would trade everything for the good news about Jesus Christ and, and even to help others come to know that. Every day, however, you know, we find ourselves relating to those around us who don't see the value of the good news. They just don't, it doesn't resonate with them. They may think, when you share, they may think, well, that's good for you. It gives you a psychological edge. Or for another person, they may say, yeah, this is good. It gives you a crutch to fall back on with your life. That's good for you. It's not good for me. Or others would just look at your life and say, you know, this is negative. <laughs> they don't even think positive or highly of you that you share these things or that you believe these things. They actually think this is a major withdrawal if you could only see. That's their thought on the matter. But the truth is, if you know Jesus, you know He's real, you know He, he leads you to live, really, the most abundant life possible. It's not superior to others, but it's the best it's the best that you can experience as you walk through the life that God has given you. We, we know the gospel, this good news, is priceless. And, and you know also that if others would experience that for themselves, if they would give their lives to Him, they can tap into a life that is, is unbelievable. It's, it's something that they, that they are missing and that they would desire. Now, the people who surround you, they just don't see that, though. They don't see that value. And you're, you and I, we're trying to be like everyday missionaries, but they, they don't see it. And because of that, it makes the experience of sharing this truth with others, it makes it scary on one hand, and then on the other hand, it makes it exhilarating. It's both those things, I think. It's scary to share, and it's exhilarating. When I first began taking initiative to share Christ with others, I could not see how it would make any sense to someone and that they would be convinced to give their lives to Jesus Christ. I would think, there's no way this guy's going to respond. And I'd be intimidated and fearful of sharing. But through the years, I've learned, I, I just cannot control what others think. I can't control how others are going to respond. And I shouldn't try. There's a bit of a mystery as to how God works in the hearts of those who, who God brings to Himself. That's something only He can do. It's not something I can control. My role, your role, is to be servants and to be stewards. So that means we need to be faithful to live a life that pleases God and then open up our mouth to identify with Him and to share with others. I I can't change people's hearts. I can't twist and change the heart of a person who's who's intent on going their own way in life. You know, but I can be be faithful just year after year with people in the way I... the way I relate to them. You can be faithful in the way you relate to those around you. You can be faithful to identify with Christ and share your faith with others. But it's up to God to grow the seed of truth that you're planting in their life. And so I want to encourage you with that. It's up to God to grow the seeds that you're planting right now. This year, you're going to have opportunities to plant some seeds. This fall, God's going to, He's placed you around some people. You're going to be able to plant some seeds. And it's up to God to cause those to grow. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, God uh, through Paul, he explains that you know the seeds that are planted in people's lives among non-Christians, it's God who causes those things to grow up. Paul said, look, I, I planted some seeds in Corinth. Another person named Apollos came and he watered those seeds that were planted, but it's God who causes the growth. And so we just don't know 
how, how God's going to use all these seeds that we're planting in our lives. But you and I, we just need to set our hearts to be faithful and just keep trusting God to grow the seeds that we are planting. So I want, I want to wrap up by just drawing your attention to these next steps. A couple specific things. Take a look at these. These are on the body of your listening guide. Also, they're on the back of the connection card. First one is, we have these movie nights. We put these on really to just invite people from the community to come out and enjoy a night together. It's all free. There's a lot of things that are just be fun for those families that come out. And so if you attend any of these, whether you go and enjoy them or serve at them, would you consider warmly greeting a guest? Just introducing yourself, warmly greeting a guest who comes to the movie nights. Second, this, this next step really is tied to if as we've been walking through these four secrets, if you're, if you're here and you've, you've not yet become a Christ follower, but you agree with those secrets and your, your things, God's basically saying, look, these things are true and you're responding in your heart to Him. Recognizing, I have a sin problem. It's not safe, meaning I can't, I can't run from God. And if you're at a point where you're ready to respond to Jesus being the solution to your sin problem, that He died on the cross for your sins, He, he took your place, if you're at that point where you're saying, I, I want to be saved, I want to put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ and follow Him as Lord, and then I'm, I'm ready to humble myself before Him. If you're at that point and you're ready to respond to Christ, you can check this on your connection card, this next step, and we'll follow up with you. We'd love to just clarify, make sure you really understand what it means to follow Him. Share a few other verses with you. Really, if you're at a point where you're ready to nail that down, we'd love to do that. So you can mark that on your connection card. This third next step and fourth are really tied to some specific steps you can take this week. And so you can check those two out. Pray for those in your circle of influence every day. And then just intend to serve Him as a missionary in one of these different areas of our lives. So let's pray together. Father, thank You again for this time. Thank you for your eternal word and the the way that you use it, God, to line our lives up and to challenge us to realign how how we we wander off and, and Lord to straighten out our thinking, to convict us of sin, uh, to shape our perspective, Lord, to clarify uh, just our role even this morning. Help us to really take very seriously and be faithful to serve and to be stewards of, these me- of this message. We thank you for the work you've done in us. Thank you for those that you brought here today, that, that you're working in their lives and calling them to yourself. Lord, we pray that you would cause people to respond to you, to your message. And Lord, we, we continue to pray that we would be about teaming up to help others come to know you as a congregation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.